Welcome, Cathedral of Faith. It's time to worship the Lord. This is the beginning of Holy Week, everybody. Can we, can we all stand to our feet? Can we put our hands together? If you have a palm branch, you can go ahead and wave it at any time in the worship service. And on the count of three, I want to hear the loudest Hosanna that we can lift up together. Ready? One, two, three.
Did 
for me what he's done. Died on the cross for my I'll sin. I'll never forget. I can never forget what he's done. Sing it with me. Say, I'll, I'll never, never forget. forget. Oh, what he's done. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Come on, Cathedral of Faith, let's respond with a praise and reception that is due a king. Hallelujah! Hosanna! Welcome everybody who's watching online, those who are in the building or on different sites. This is Cathedral of Faith where everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, where the love is lived out on everything and anything is because we serve an amazing God. And if you're grateful that you do, before you're seated, one more time, a great big shout of Hosanna and praise to the King for what he's done. Come on, somebody shout, Hosanna! You may be seated. Well, in ancient times, palm branches symbolized victory. When you dig up ancient materials, you can find palm branches and coins. They were on walls. They were everywhere. It was a symbol of victory. In fact, even King Solomon, when he built the temple, had palm branches on the doors and the walls. This is a way in which victory is demonstrated. In fact, there's a passage of scripture in Revelation chapter 9 that says this. It's telling us about heaven. John says, after this I looked and before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and tribe and language and people standing before the throne. And you know what they're doing? It says they're waving palm branches. 
This is a symbol of victory. So today, whether you're celebrating victory or whether you're anticipating victory, this is the day in which we worship our Lord and King. I'm going to invite you to either raise your 10 finger palms or your regular palms and let's just declare victory ahead. Amen. Victory ahead. Well, we're so glad that you're here with us. Welcome, 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 especially those of you who are guests in our home. This is a safe place for you to whether you're celebrating or anticipating victory, come to know us a little better. In the pew in front of you, on the back of the seat, is a Connect card. And if you've not yet filled one of these out, you can either fill it out and leave it with the ushers, or there's a QR code there in the front. We'd love to get to know you, find out how to pray for you, how to walk with you again, whether you're anticipating or celebrating victory. We're looking forward to all God has for us. Well, this next week, there's lots of ways to anticipate and celebrate victory. On Friday, Good Friday, we have two services here as we focus on the cross of Jesus and what Jesus did for us. So this Friday at noon and 7 p.m., we encourage you to join us here. It's going to be a powerful, life-changing time. Pastor Ken, Pastor Mike, Bishop Wilson, they'll be speaking, they'll be worshiped, there'll be communion. It's going to be a powerful time. You don't want to miss Friday. Next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, I just have some news for you. If you show up at 9 o'clock, you're going to be late, okay? If you show up at 9.15, like some of you do, you're going to be late. The services next week are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. What time are the services? 8.30, So if you come at 9, you're just really early for the 10 o'clock. But we hope to see you next week. And in fact, in the foyer on the way out, we have some special invite cards for you to pick up <clears throat> and take with you so you can invite someone. How many of you came to Cathedral for the first time because somebody invited you? Yeah, usually, usually about 75% of people who show up, somebody invited them. And so this could be the moment you change somebody's life forever by offering them cards and say, hey, why don't you join us this Sunday for Easter? And in fact, this Sunday coming up, not only are we going to have three services here, but we're going to have a service on NBC at 10 o'clock. Is, is that right, NBC? Okay. And so Pastor Ken will be there with our worship team. There'll be all the Bay Area will be able to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And I just want to take a moment. Amen. I want to take a moment for us to pray together about that. Lord Jesus, thank you that in our hands, as we give out invite cards, we're not just inviting them to a service, we're inviting them to encounter you. And Lord, there's people that we're struggling with, people we've prayed for, people who need you. Lead us to invite the right people. And then Lord, we just ask for your favor next week as that broadcast goes all over the Bay Area, that you would come by your spirit and touch people in homes and bring people to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, setting the stage for today's service, in Mark chapter 11, we read these words. It says this, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back shortly. That verse tells us a little bit about how Jesus works with us. Notice what the verse says. Let's go back to it one more time. It says, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. 
Jesus says, give and it'll be given to you. So as they took the colt, they took the donkey, which is a symbol of peace, and they took it. Jesus, don't worry, it'll come back shortly. Well, that's the word for you today as you bring your tithes and offerings. Whatever we give to him, he says, I'll bring it back shortly. Press down, shake it together, running over. And there are many ways you can give. You can go to our app, you can go online, you can write out a check and mail it to the office or drop by. The ushers have envelopes they can give to you and on the way out you can give that gift and I give you the same promise Jesus gave about the donkey he, he borrowed. He's like, it'll come back to you shortly, amen? Well, I want you to join me in putting your hands together, welcoming it's great to have Pastor Dan and Pastor Carol Fryer back and World of Arts. Let's welcome them as they come.
Amen. Would you let the World of Arts team know how much you appreciate them kicking up our celebration of Holy Week. Hello, Cathedral family. God is good. And all the time. And welcome to the beginning of Holy Week. You've heard of March Madness. Here at Cathedral, it's Messiah Madness. We are crazy about Jesus, and we love this week, and we're so glad that you're here to celebrate with us. I'm going to invite you to stand with me for the reading of the scripture. And I found this, uh, well, I found these shirts that took the idea of exercising, and they connected exercising to Jesus. And I thought they were kind of creative. For example, here's one that said, Jesus is the ultimate deadlifter. And I thought, well, in a sense, he is. He raises the dead and he himself comes back from the dead. And then I saw this one, that Jesus is my spotter. And I thought, well, that has some truth to it too because he helps me lift what I could never lift on my own. And he makes sure that the weight that I'm carrying does not crush me. And then I saw this one. It said, following Jesus is my cardio. And all God's people said amen to that. And all this month, that's what we've been doing. We've been leaning in to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. How do you move from being a fan to being a follower? And Jesus describes what it's like in this way in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must say no to themselves. They must pick up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it if someone gains the whole world but loses their soul, their very own soul? Or another translation says their very self. Because that's what it's at stake. You know, how do you find yourself? That's one of the most pressing questions of our day. How do we find ourself, our real self, our true self, our best self? And according to Jesus, if you want to find yourself, you have to look beyond yourself and become a follower of Jesus. And when you do, you're on your way to finding yourself that CrossFit is the key to living strong. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for this moment in time. What a day. What a day as we celebrate that, that great moment when you came into Jerusalem. People shouting Hosanna. You're receiving praise and glory and honor, and we've entered into that today, and I pray that over these next few minutes, there'll be a lot of things that are said, but help us to lock into that one thing. Holy Spirit, bring that one thing into our heart that we can receive it, apply it, and this week, our lives will be different because we met you in this moment. That's our heart, that's our desire. Start with me, and all God's people said, Amen. Can we give God praise again for his word? Amen. Amen. Well, before you're seated, look at somebody and tell them, I'm ready to train. Go ahead and do that. I'm ready to train. (laughs) 
Now today we're going to look at a moment that took place just a few days after Jesus' words, the ones we just read, his words about taking up your cross. He's going to start heading toward Jerusalem with his disciples. And on the way, he stops and he takes three disciples. This is his inner circle within the inner circle. And he takes them up to a mountain to pray. And do they ever have a mountaintop moment? He said that they would see the Son of Man coming in kingdom power. And did they ever? This moment is known as the Mount of Transfiguration. And for the next few minutes, I invite you to join me on a journey. Let's do some mountain climbing together. Cathedral of Faith, are you ready to train? It all begins in Matthew. Let's look at Matthew chapter 17. We read this. Jesus took Peter and the brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain. His appearance changed from the inside out. Right before their eyes, sunlight poured from his face. His clothes were filled with light. And then Luke describes it this way. Luke says, or Mark, I'm sorry. Yeah, Luke up here. The appearance of his face changed. His clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. And then Mark describes it this way. His clothes became so white, they shone. They were whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Not even Tide could compete. <laughs> now, put us, to help us get into the moment, with a little help from our tech team, can we make it night in here? Let's make it night. It's nighttime. Now, I brought this lamp from home, and there's three settings on the lamp. You can turn it to the first or the second or the third. And when you turn it to the highest setting, it will give some light to the room. But then if you take it one step further and you take the lampshade off, wow, then all that wattage hits you right in the face and you see how bright the light really is. And in a much more profound sense, this is what happens on that mountaintop moment. See, for most of Jesus' life on earth, he walks around with a lampshade on. But there on that mountain, the lampshade comes off. And you see how bright that light really is. This is the way he shined before he came to earth. This is way, the way that he is shining right now in heaven. The glory of who he is, the majesty of who he is shows up. Yeah, let's give him praise, Jesus. It's an unmistakable message that Jesus is indeed the light of the world. So let me ask you a question. Where do you need him to shine in your life? There's another thing I've noticed about light that you can walk into a room. It can be dark. It can be really dark. It can be so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. And what, yet when you turn the light on, well, the darkness can, the darkness can strain and struggle all that it wants. But when you turn the light on, 
the darkness has to flee. Why? Because light is stronger than darkness. And so if it's dark in your world, if you feel like you're in a really dark place. Sometime back I was talking with a young lady after church and she was telling me about her own journey. She said that, wow, she had been facing a really dark time in her life and it's one thing to be depressed, it's another thing to be caught in the grip of despair and that's where she's at. I read a recent stat that said 30% of all high school girls right now have at one time or another seriously contemplated taking their own life. And this young lady, she was thinking seriously about suicide and then somebody invited her to church. You never know when you invite someone to church, they may just come. And when she came to church, there's, there should be a warning sign when you come into church. Watch out. Coming to church just may change your life. Because the church points you to Jesus. And Jesus is the overcoming light. And she'd be coming to church for the few weeks. And that light was beginning to overcome the darkness in her own soul. And the darkness of loneliness and the darkness of hopelessness and the darkness of meaninglessness, it was about, it was disappearing and instead that overcoming light named Jesus was beginning to help her take back her joy. Hallelujah. She had a reason to live. That John who was the witness to this moment, he said, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Can we give God praise for Jesus, the overcoming light of the world? Now that brings us to the next thing in this story, that Jesus is a cut above. He's a cut above. Let's look at this together. We see that Jesus is not alone on the mountain. It says, then they realized that Moses and Elijah were also there and deep conversation with him. That Moses and Elijah are there on the mountain with Jesus. Now it wasn't the first time they had had a mountaintop moment. That it was on a mountain that Moses was given the law from God and it was on a mountain that Elijah received a miracle from God. Both of them have been to the mountain before and now there they are standing on the mountain with Jesus. Elijah and Moses, Moses, the one who had given the law, Elijah, the one who represented the prophets, these were two of the most prominent, influential leaders in Jewish history. And yet they're on the mountain with Jesus. What I want you to see is that Jesus outshines them both. And that's another difference of what it means to move from being a fan of Jesus to being a follower of Jesus. There's a singer, I enjoy her music, her name is Cheryl Crow, and it seems like she's a, a fan of Jesus. I saw a quote about what she believed in, and she said, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, and Buddha, and Muhammad, and all those that were enlightened. 
She admires Jesus. She looks up to Jesus. She's a fan of Jesus, that Jesus is one light among many lights, and she's not the only person that relates to Jesus in this way. Here in the valley, maybe you're here today, and that's the way that you think about Jesus. And yet in this passage, we're confronted with something very different. That what it means to be a follower of Jesus, well, that you can put every religious leader in history up there on the mountain with Jesus. And yet Jesus outshines them all. Let me say that again. Jesus outshines them all. This is not a matter of putting other people down. It's a matter of lifting other people, of lifting Jesus up and giving him, recognizing his preeminence, recognizing how bright he really shines. In fact, in Colossians, we read this about Jesus. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Jesus outshines them all. Now it's interesting. When this happens, Peter speaks up. In fact, the Bible says Peter broke in. Of course he do. He's, he does. He's always talking. Peter says, Master, this is a great moment. What would you think if I built three memorials here on the mountain, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? Now, Luke adds that he did not know what he was saying. I saw this one meme that read this way. It said, when the brain freezes and you don't know what to say. Has that ever happened to you? You're in a moment, you're not sure what you should say, so you just start talking. And what Peter does is he's talking, it's nervous talk, and he says, I've got an idea, I wanna build something to mark this moment. Let's build three structures. One for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But in his talking, Peter misses the point that the three of them are not on the same level. They're not on the same plane. That Jesus is supreme. That Jesus outshines them both. One of the most uh, renowned world scholars, a New Testament scholar, N.T. Wright, he says, what he wants to tell his children on his deathbed is this. If you want to know, he, he wants to say, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. And go on looking until you're not just a spectator, but you're actually part of the drama which has him as the central character. Look at Jesus. That's what it means to be a follower. The apostle John, who again was there on that mountain, would write, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. They have. Now, as we continue through the story, we see next that Peter is interrupted. I found a prayer, I like this prayer, I need this prayer, and maybe you could use it too. I invite you to pray it with me. Can we bring that prayer up on the screen? Say it with me. Lord, keep your arm around my shoulder and your hand over my mouth. 
Anybody else need that prayer? I mean, in a sense, that's what happens in the story of the transfiguration. Peter's talking. Peter's a chatterbox. If he had not been interrupted, he would probably still be talking today. But instead, mercy, <laughs> with great mercy, he's interrupted. And we read about that interruption. God puts his hand on his shoulder and his hand over his mouth. And we read about that interruption in this way. While he was going on like this, babbling, a light radiant cloud enveloped them and sounding from deep in the cloud a voice. This is my son marked by my love, the focus of my delight. Listen to him. What a moment. The direct audible voice of God. This is my son. This was the testimony about Jesus from beginning to end. Before he was born, you would remember about how the angel shows up and speaks to Mary and he says, Mary, you're you a virgin, you're gonna have a child and the virgin birth is gonna be a sign that this baby's gonna be different than every other baby, that this baby, he will be great and will be known as the son of the most high God. And then when Jesus starts his ministry, he goes into the waters of baptism. Baptism, And again, the direct voice of God speaks only two times. Do we read in the New Testament of the direct voice of God speaking to earth? And both times it has to do with the identity of Jesus. That this is my own dear son. And then fast forward to the end of his life. And there the soldier who had put Jesus to death on the cross, he had put lots of people to death, but there was something about what happened on the cross that day, the way Jesus died and what took place when he died. He recognized that something bigger is going on and he says, this is the son of God. From the beginning to the end, Jesus is identified as the son of the living God and when we put our faith and trust in the son, we become a son. That his identity shapes my identity. That his transfiguration begins my transfiguration. When you go to the beach and you lay in the sun, does anybody remember the sun? We've gotten so much rain. Does anybody remember what the sun is like? It's that yellow thing in the sky that generates heat. Does anybody remember what the sun is like? Oh my. If you go to the beach and you lay in the sun, when you first go to the beach, well, your skin may look like this. It may look like this. But if you stay in the sun, something starts to happen. Well, something starts to change. There's a transformation that takes place. That you may end up starting like this, but you stay face toward the sun, and then you go to this, and then you look like this, and then you look like this, right there. That's really tan. <laughs> and when you come 
to Jesus and you set your face toward the sun, that sun starts to transform your life and change the look of your countenance. And there's a change in your heart and a change in your mind and a change in your word and a change in your actions. 2 Corinthians talks this way about that transfiguration. So we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Can we give God praise for that transforming power? Hallelujah. His identity, it shapes our identity. This is my son, marked by my love, the focus of my life, of my delight. Listen to him. One of the best known hymns of the church is the song Amazing Grace. And did you know that this song was written by a man who was once a slave trader? In the day that he lived, slavery was everywhere around the world. Virtually every culture was practicing slavery. And he would uh, carry slaves on his ship. He would supply slaves to different destinations. But at some point, he started to turn his face toward the Son, Jesus Christ. And he began to listen to what Jesus said and learn what Jesus said, and he saw that every human being was made in the image of God. And if every human being is made in the image of God, we shouldn't treat anybody as a slave. And so instead, he walked away from the slave trade. He became a pastor, and for the rest of his life, he preached against the evil of slavery, worked to abolish slavery in the British Empire, and he wrote those words we still sing today, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amen. Listen to Jesus. Listen to him. Say that with me. Listen to him. Now, in the biblical sense, when you listen to someone, it's more than just hearing them. It's believing what you hear. And then it's acting on what you believe. And the voice of the Father says this about the voice of the Son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him when he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. Listen to him. Listen to him when he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light. Listen to him. Listen to him when he says, do not be afraid. What happens on that mountaintop, we read in Matthew chapter 17, after disciples experience this, it says when the disciples heard it, 
the voice of God, they fell flat on their faces, scared to death, but Jesus came over and touched them. Don't be afraid. I don't know what you're afraid of today. But when fear has a hold of your heart and you're struggling with fear, wrestling with fear, paralyzed with fear, you can end up just flat on your face. And if that's where you're at, I invite you to listen to the words of Jesus. It's one thing when I say it, don't be afraid. It's another thing when Jesus says it, do not be afraid. What if you're not here by accident? What if you're not here by chance? What if God brought you into this moment right here and right now to hear a word that would lift you above your anxiety and above your worry? Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. Jesus is with you and Jesus is for you. And that is why we don't have to be afraid. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then that brings us to really the end of the story. And it says, when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. No one except Jesus. And so they leave the mountain. When you have a mountaintop moment, you don't want it to end, do you? I saw this one kid who was on vacation and he didn't want the vacation to end. You can see it right up here. He doesn't want this vacation to end. He doesn't want it to end. He's enjoying himself. He doesn't want to go anywhere. And that is what can happen in a mountaintop moment. Let's move up here. Let's camp up here. But that's not how the way, the way life works. See, there are mountains and then there are valleys and you fulfill your mission in the valley. You fulfill your purpose in the valley. In fact, the mountains are really there to prepare you for what happens in the valley because as the disciples leave here, Jesus and the disciples are on their way to the biggest valley of all, the cross. And those mountaintop moments are there to remind you in the valley, don't doubt in the dark what God has said to you in the light. Don't doubt in the dark what God had said to you in the light. Would you say that with me? Don't doubt in the dark what God has said in the light. When Jesus is put up on that cross, Boy, it sure doesn't seem like, it sure doesn't look like, it sure doesn't feel like he is God's own son. But don't doubt in the dark what God said to you in the light. When Jesus is up on that cross, it sure doesn't seem like or look like or feel like that he's been marked by the Father's love. But don't doubt in the dark what God has said to you in the light. When he's up on that cross, it sure doesn't seem like, feel like, look like that Jesus is the focus of the Father's delight. But don't doubt in the dark what God has said to you in the light. When you're in the valley, and if you're in your own valley today, 
And it sure doesn't seem like, feel like, or look like that you were God's child or that you are marked by his love or you are the focus of his delight. Well, I know what it is to be in one of those valleys. Believe it or not, pastors have valleys too. And I know what it is to walk in that valley. And when you're in that valley, it sure doesn't seem like, feel like, or look like. And you wonder, have I been forgotten by God? Have I been abandoned by God? Have I been forsaken by God? Because it sure feels like I have, but in that moment I had to decide, am I gonna live by my feelings or am I gonna live by my faith? And what I found is this, feelings make good servants, but they make bad masters. And so I made a decision. I'm not going to live according to my feelings. I'm going to live by my faith. I will not doubt in the dark what God said to me in the light. I am his child. I am marked by his love. I'm the focus of his delights. And what God did for me, God can do for you too. You may be wondering, as the tech team gets ready, and we join together in a last song and then come to the Lord's table together. You may be wondering, if you're new to church, your first time in church, we just read this story and you wonder, is that legit? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. That sounds pretty crazy. Well, later on, one of the eyewitnesses, Peter, who was in the middle of the mix, he would write about this moment. He was about to be crucified upside down. Why? For following Jesus. Would you be crucified upside down for something that you knew for a fact was a lie? I don't think so. Instead, he wants them to know. Even at the point of his death, he wants them to know, look, we didn't make this stuff up. He writes, we told you, if we can bring that up, we told you about the time our Lord Jesus Christ came with power, but we didn't make up clever stories when we told you about it. With our own eyes, we saw him in all his majesty. God the Father gave him honor and glory. The voice of the majestic glory came to him. It said, this is my son and I love him. I'm very pleased with him. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven we were with him on that sacred mountain. They saw it. They told us about it. Now, what are you going to do with it? Bow your heads with me for just a moment. If you'd say, Pastor Ken, I know about Jesus. I've heard about Jesus. I like Jesus. I admire Jesus. But I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus. Or maybe at one time you were walking with Jesus, but you've walked away. And you want to get back on the right track, walking in step with him instead of walking away from him. And if either of those two things are true about you, I want to invite you in this moment. I want to agree with you that today is your day to surrender your life and become a follower of Jesus. So I invite you to lift up your hand, wherever you're at, in the building, up in the balcony, out in your car, just lift up your hand and say, Pastor Ken, that's me. Today I'm becoming a follower of Jesus. Lift it up real high. God sees your hand. He sees your heart. God bless you. God bless you. Up in the balcony, 
those that are watching online, different campuses, God sees your hand, he sees your heart. And this is what Easter season is all about, his love reaching out to us. And you're saying yes to that love. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for all of those who are surrendering their life to Jesus, receiving Jesus as their savior, and putting Jesus in charge of their life, confessing him as Lord. I pray that they would know how much they're loved by you, and I pray that all of us would once again hear your voice that because of Jesus, we are sons and daughters. Because of Jesus, we have been marked by your love. And because of Jesus, we're the focus of your delight. Let us believe it, let us own it, let us declare it today, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's give him praise, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I invite you to stand as we prepare to receive communion. If you haven't received the elements, just hold up your hands. The ushers will serve you. And the worship team's coming out to lead us in a course. And let's, we know who we are. We are children of God. Amen.
come to the Lord's table, we declare, we identify with Jesus, and his identity shapes our identity, that we are children of God. So Jesus, we thank you today for who you are and what you've done for us, and as we eat of the bread, this is the bread of Christ, and we celebrate being your children, we celebrate this season of your love. Let's eat of the body of Christ. Jesus, thank you for the cup. All this week, we'll especially be reminded of how you gave your life so that we could have life. You shed your blood so we could be reconnected with the Father. And Jesus, we celebrate the great love that we find in this cup because the reason you did it was out of love. That's what moved you, that's what motivated you. And so as we drink in, we drink in your love for us. Let it overwhelm our minds and our hearts and our bodies today. Drink of the cup of Christ. Thank you, Lord. And now I invite you to join with me. We have something here at Cathedral called our affirmation of faith. These are different scriptures that declare who we are in Jesus Christ. Everyone say it with me. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. For great is our God and greatly is he to be praised. I'm his child. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Therefore, no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. The weapons of my warfare They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of enemy strongholds. I am more than a conqueror. I am victorious because I walk by faith and not by sight. And greater is he 
that is within me than he that is in the world. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Again, thanks so much for joining us at the start of Holy Week. And I would encourage you, join with us on the rest of the journey. I'll be praying over you and your family this entire week that God will meet you in a very special way. We've got our Good Friday services at 12 and 7. And then next Sunday for Easter, wow, is it going to be amazing this week. Three services, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. If you need further prayer, our team will be down here to pray with you and for you right after service. And I want to give one more big shout out to Dan and Carol Fryer for being with us today. Dan and Carol, thank you. They have music in the back. Swing by. It's music that will bless your, uh, just bless your holy week as you listen to their music. Let me speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. And may God give you his peace. And this week, may you know that you are his child. You've been marked by his love. And that you are the focus of his delight. And I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God's people said, have an awesome day today.